Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. Uh, it's been a minute. Apologize. Uh, things have been a little bit hectic, but we are back. And uh, coming up, you know, now as, as we get to the later part of the basketball season and the ACC tournament, March Madness, uh, this is going uh, to to be to, to get a lot more exciting and, and uh, a lot more fun. So uh, be sure to, to be back weekly. Uh, of course, Pitt won't be in March Madness. They might not even be in the NIT, as uh, was thought was at least possible, because uh, yesterday, last night, uh, Pitt lost to Clemson at home, seventy-two to fifty-two. That's abysmal. This is the place where top ten teams go to die. And and while I know that sometimes, and especially for Pitt, it just works out where you're going to beat some great teams and you're going to lose to some bad teams. I have firsthand experience with this because my freshman year I got to Pitt and that was the place where top 10 teams go to die. And then Pitt lost to Casper Ware and Long Beach State like three weeks in. Uh, and then also when I was there, they had some huge wins. So I know that that it can go up and down. Uh, but, but to lose to Clemson, a winnable game on your home floor in front of the Oakland Zoo on a blackout night, and have it be when you could put together a string of wins is embarrassing. And it's even more embarrassing that it's by 20. I mean, I, I understand if, you know, it's a buzzer beater, if you've got a Tyler Rennes situation. I get it. Okay, it happens. But to lose by 20, to get just absolutely crushed by Clemson, not a good look. Not a good look at all. Uh, part of it was Clemson hit just a ton of threes. They, they just couldn't miss. And I get it. That happens. But the offense just could not keep up, not even close. Because the defense, for the most part, has been playing well. The defense, I think a lot of, for much of the season, has sort of maybe covered up some of the problems uh, with the offense. This time, it, ha- it had to come down to the offense, and the offense was atrocious. And it... things are looking rough when it comes to the players. Now, you can see the talent there. I I get it, but it's definitely a problem. Um, Breaking down the players, because that's what I want to do, because I've mentioned this pretty much any time we talk about basketball in this podcast, that this reminds me, now this is partly because I'm a Sixers fan, but this reminds me of the process era Sixers when they're putting together a team and you're starting to see pieces. Oh, this guy might be good. This guy seems really good. And you're, you're just starting to put it together, you know? And so that's what you want to see from this team. Yeah. You want to see wins, but you also want to see growth. And there's some concern on both fronts. There's some positives on both fronts, but some concerns on both fronts. Uh, I'll start with a major positive. It's Justin Champagny. True freshman. He has come out of the gate storming. Uh, he's averaging almost 13 points per game, uh, over seven rebounds per game. He has, he has for much of the season, looked like Pitt's best player. He was just named National Freshman of the Week after a dominant performance. Justin Champagny looks legit. So massive props to Jeff Capel for landing him. Uh, it's huge that, that they got him. And that Champagny has been that good that they've been able to coach him up because he seems like a guy. Now, a lot of it, it you have to put him in the right spots, and, and he's still a freshman, and there's still going to be growth there. But Justin Champagny seems like an incredibly legit basketball player at just a freshman. 
and in a totally different way, reminds you of Xavier Johnson last year. Not the games aren't similar at all, but just where you can see that spark. Like this, this kid's got something. This kid can be really, really good. Now getting to the next point, which is Xavier Johnson, because we saw that last year. We saw him as the guy who looked like he was going to be a star, and he has not lived up to it. Not this year. There has been a massive regression. He's averaging about 12 points per game, but a lot of it, it doesn't feel that way. It's not, I mean, really, he should be averaging over 15. You're talking about 16, 17 points a game, uh, and he just doesn't get there. And even the 12 seems sometimes generous. In this Clemson game, he had eight points. Uh, He averages about five assists, but, you know, when it comes to the scoring, it just isn't there. He, in terms of his jump shot, he just, hasn't been able to, to get it going, and that was never his strongest suit, but you then assumed that he could drive, but he, he hasn't been too eager to do that either, and so for Xavier Johnson, that spark that we saw last year that we're currently seeing with Justin Champagny as a freshman, it's just gone for Xavier Johnson. There have been a couple games where it shows up, but for the most part, he just does not seem like the player who, before the season, some people were saying, oh, I wonder if he has a huge season and goes to the NBA. Now, I always thought that was a little bit far-fetched, but I did think he was going to have a huge season, and from there, who knows? And he has regressed, and it's a problem. Now, I don't know exactly what they're going to do or how they plan to address it, but that is one of the biggest reasons that Pitt is likely not going to vie for an NIT bid. Uh, Another major player to talk about is Trey McGowans, who has... It hasn't been as dramatic as Xavier Johnson, in part because Trey McGowan's, I think, was number two last year. He was not. I think Xavier Johnson was the standout, and then Trey McGowan's was the number two option. Seemed like a really good, you know, B player. Seemed like a really good second option, and so I think the combination of not expecting as much from him, mixed with he hasn't been as underwhelming in as many games, means that things haven't been nearly as bad regarding Trey McGowan's, but still. When he has an off night, Xavier Johnson hasn't had many big nights, and Justin Champagne can only do much. So then the question is, who do you go to? Sometimes McGowan's can put the team on his back. On a rare occasion, Xavier can, and on a rare occasion, Justin Champagne can. But McGowan's, for the most part, you're looking to him to be the most consistent guy since since X has been so streaky. And Trey McGowan's mostly consistent, but still averages about 13 points per game, just under four assists per game. It's good. And even, you know, Xavier Johnson has been solid. It's just not great. And you can't expect this team that's not particularly deep and not experienced to do much of anything to make a run at the NIT unless you have great players at the top. And right now, Justin Champagne looks great, at least for a freshman, Trey McGowan's looks good, Xavier Johnson looks okay, decent, but no one looks great, and that's the problem. That's why this team is likely not going to make it to the NIT, because when you look at where they are, they had this this string where, okay, yeah, you had a couple tough games, you had uh, Syracuse on the road, you had Duke on the road, always going to be ridiculously tough, but you had Miami at home, they got the win, you had Notre Dame on the road. Tough game, but certainly winnable. They lost by eight. You've got Georgia Tech at home. 
They were able to win that game. Then Clemson at home, that's a game you should win, and they lost it. So this could have been a huge streak where they could have put together four wins in a row. You head into a game at Virginia Tech. Then you go down to Tallahassee to to play Florida State, the team that you beat to start this season with a whole lot of intrigue there. And you've got a chance to really put together a string of wins, make your case for the NIT, and uh, and and really make this season more than what we thought. Because this season hasn't been underwhelming as a team. I think, some again, some performances have been underwhelming, Xavier Johnson. But the season as a whole, this team was not supposed to go to the NIT. This was absolute best-case scenario. This team... Turns out phenomenal. Jeff Capel is a god, and he gets them to the NIT in his second season. That was the best-case scenario. That was never supposed to happen. What was expected to happen is about what's happening. They they win some games, they lose some games. They'll come out over five hundred. Uh, you know, overall in the conference, they'll be around even, and you know, somewhere in the middle, you know, closer to the bottom. And that's what is supposed to happen. So I get it. But when that opportunity is there. Uh, it's got to be frustrating that they can't put together a string of wins. And again, you talk about this Clemson game. A lot of these guys just... You you sometimes need one guy to just put the team on his back, and they haven't really been able to do that. Xavier Johnson hasn't really been able to do that. Trey McGowan's uh, has done it for a good amount. Uh, but, you know, again, there's only so much you can expect. And again, Justin Champagny looking great as a freshman but only so much you can expect. Audis Tony, I think he's a really good uh, sort of rotation player, but he is what he is. Ryan Murphy's been injured for a good chunk, and he's still not really back yet, so there's that. And the bigs, still a big problem. You've got Terrell Brown, you've got Eric Hamilton. Neither one can be all that trusted. And so when it comes to the front court, things aren't looking too good. Um, but you know, overall that this team, they're inconsistent. It can be frustrating, but they're about where we expected them to be. Uh, when it comes to Jeff Capel, I think for the most part, he's been impressive, but this is sort of a, a realistic, especially the last couple weeks, things have become more realistic. He's not a miracle worker. If they had put together this amazing season, gone to the NIT, looked great then yeah, you know, then you're talking about giving this guy a 10-year contract like they did to Jamie Dixon. But what this season has shown us is that he is about what what everyone expected him to be. He seems like a good coach, but a, but a good coach can only do so much in a second year with a bunch of young guys. And so it it seems to be sometimes people are flipping out over how great things seem. They beat Florida State. Oh my God, this team can do big things. And after a couple other wins, people were talking about, oh, can this pit team make the NIT? Can they make the NCAA tournament? Uh, a couple times it was mentioned. And that was always highly unlikely. And and for the most part, this season has been used to lower expectations, but to a normal level. Not lowering expectations of, oh, he's not that good. Because I think Jeff Capel has done a good job. In fact, I think he's done, for the most part, a really good job. But there are still some issues. This team is still very consistent. The offense is still, for the most part, pretty dull. Uh, Of course, the regression, or certainly not progression, of some of these guys who were real stars last year as freshmen. You add up all those things, and it's, it's been... A solid, to-be-expected year for Jeff Capel in, you know, uh, 
what seems to be a good coach, a really good recruiter in his second year. That's where things seem to be. And I know it's sort of tough. You either want things to be all amazing or uh, you want to be screaming about, oh, he's got to be fired or, oh, this is unacceptable. Things are just sort of in between. This is what a second-year team should look like, is expected to look like after a coaching change, after your previous coach leaves the team winless in, in the ACC. And so while a couple of performances, you hope they're better, you hope Xavier Johnson gets that swagger back, you hope Trey McGowan's can be a little bit more consistent, uh, you, you want Justin Champagny to continue this path he's on, you want Murphy to come back strong, you want the bigs to figure something out. But for the most part, this is what it's supposed to be. And so I'm not I'm not going to give Capel a 10-year contract extension, but I'm also not going to crush him or say that it's unacceptable or say he's doing a poor job because he's doing a good job. This is just what's realistic. I know that's not the hottest take for a podcast, but if you've been listening to the podcast, you know me. I'm not here for the hottest takes. I just call it like I see it. And how I see it is that there's nothing to be jumping off a bridge over, but it is frustrating. I get the frustrations. This team is inconsistent. At home, they just didn't have that energy. The offense could not get going. At the Pete, it's embarrassing. But it's one game. It's second year. I wouldn't start, you know, looting Oakland anytime soon. Uh, I want to mention talking about the future because uh, I, I saw actually one of the recruits coming in for next year because it, it seems like there are two big recruits that everyone's talking about, that everyone's excited about. Uh, going to join the Panthers next season. Uh, one is John Hughley, who I believe just put up 50 points in a game and was absolutely tremendous, and I know he is going to be a huge addition for this program. Uh, and and he just had, like I said, this monster, monster game. Uh, but the other is Noah Collier. Noah Collier, who uh, is going to join the team next year as a freshman out of high school. Uh, he is a, uh, a small forward out of Norristown. He goes to the Westtown School. And actually, just a couple of days ago, I had the honor of calling, announcing, because outside of this, I do play-by-play, announcing the championship game for the Westtown for the Friends League Championship, uh, of which West Town was a part of, and they ended up going on to win, and Noah Collier was on that team. So I was able to call the game for Noah Collier, see him up close, see him in person, and it's he. I mean, he's he's got a lot of raw talent. He's got size. He is six foot seven. Um, I think when it comes to the next level, he can play a few minutes at the four. I think ideally he'll be a three. Uh, he seems like a slasher, not much of a shooter. He seems like he wants to um, to drive to the rim. On defense, he had some really good plays. Uh, I mean, he's 6'7", he's lanky. He's going to put on some muscle when he gets to pit. But I can certainly see him being in, a, in that mold of sort of a Jamel Artis kind of a player. Um, I think he's sort of that, you know, that, that forward that, I mean, I guess... Yeah, Jamel Artis, was, I'd say, was a, a solid three. Lamar Patterson, I know, was sort of a two or a three, and I'm not going to say he uh, is going to be as good as Lamar Patterson because he was stellar. But he does sort of remind me of a Jamel Artis in that he maybe he's not great at one thing, but he's good at a ton of things. And again, I think with Collier's body, he, he seemed lanky in person. I think, of course, you go to college, and and they're going to you know have you in the weight room a lot. He's, he's going to put on a lot of muscle. I think you talk about his height, you add a little bit of, uh, you know, of size 
and he can be a really good three. You can use him at the four. He can slash. He can defend. And uh, that's just my two cents, seeing him in person, calling his game. He ended up finishing second in scoring in that game. And so uh, I, I think certainly it's going uh, to, uh, to to be a nice addition when it comes to uh, to Pitt for next year. I also noticed, uh, I believe it was his dad was in the crowd uh, wearing a Pitt hat, a Pitt shirt, you know, the new Panther logo. So uh, it was it was definitely cool to see. And actually, Collier was the second leading scorer. The leading scorer was Jaden Worley, who has come out of nowhere as a junior. He's had a huge season, and he's getting some serious interest from Pitt. And so if uh, if he's able to uh, to keep it up and, and look good, I'm sure that Jeff Capel is going to want to take a, a nice hard look at him. And with Collier coming next year, both from the Westtown School, Worley could be the next guy down the pipeline. Uh, so it'll certainly be interesting to see what happens. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I was able to – to call that game, they won the championship. It was a close win, uh, but they won it. It was the team's seventh straight uh, league championship, so you know what kind of program that is. They produced Cam Reddish, they produced Mo Bamba, and uh, Pitt fans hope that Noah Collier is going to be that next guy in this line of West Ham players who uh, go to college. Pitt fans are hoping for more than one year, and they go off to the NBA as uh, incredibly successful ball players. So that's what I saw from Collier, 13 points in a championship game. I think Pitt's got a, a really solid player coming in next year. So we're going to take a quick break, word from our sponsor, and then be back in just a moment. Uh, I, I've got a little bit of a rant about how the broadcast rights have been going so far with the new ACC network, and then want to hit on Pat Narduzzi and the update with his uh, tenure here at Pitt. Quick break. Be back in just a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so we are back. All right, so uh, I mentioned quick rant about how things have gone when it comes to broadcast rights under the new ACC Network deal. So my situation, I live in the Philadelphia area. I have Comcast because that's... All I can get, I live in a building where it's only wired for Comcast. Comcast does not have a deal to carry the ACC network. So unless I move to streaming and eliminate all cable, uh, which I'd still have to pay for internet from Comcast, but then eliminate television from them and then get something like Sling or, uh, or Hulu Live or YouTube TV, uh, then I'm stuck with Comcast. And the downside, of course, of the streaming is, uh, well, one, because uh, the, the rate that I have with, with TV and internet, it works out. It's not too, too expensive. But also the problem with streaming, and this has been the case for all streaming uh, cable, all you know, live TV, is anything live is going to have a massive delay. And when you want to follow something live and live tweet it or see what other people are saying... That makes a big difference, and I know this sounds like a major first-world problem, but if you're watching a sporting event and you want to see what other people are saying, because that's what I do and I'm on Pitt Twitter and I see all these other people tweeting, and sometimes I tweet, I like to tweet GIFs and memes and all that, all that good stuff, and 
if you're a minute behind or a minute 30 behind, that is massive. That is absolutely massive when it comes to a football or a basketball game when everyone else is watching live live and certainly you know you've got people at the stadium who are just a couple of seconds ahead and then you're a minute a minute and a half behind uh that's a lot that that is a ton and so streaming live tv is not a good option if you're going to be watching a lot of live events like sporting events and so then if you're stuck with comcast in this situation you cannot get the acc network and what that means is you can't get pretty much any pit basketball game. You sometimes get lucky. You can get a pit basketball game if they're playing Duke, because that's going to be on one of the ESPN networks, or a handful of the football games, you can get lucky there. But a ton of these have either been on the ACC network, or, as was the Clemson game, on the uh, AT&T Sports Pittsburgh, you know, the regional stations, which normally would be fine, but for whatever weird reason, and this I do not know the specifics behind, but Philadelphia, where I don't know for sure, but I would imagine is the number two market in terms of Pitt's alumni base, Philadelphia, in the same state, does not have a regional carrier uh, with Pitt or with the ACC. I've looked at the list that, uh, that Pitt, that ACC Network puts out when it comes to the regional carriers, when you say, how can you watch Pitt, and the games that are on the regional networks, you look at them, and they've got Fox Sports Southwest, so you can watch it in Arizona, they've got Fox Sports California, so you can watch it if you're in LA, Fox Sports uh, Rocky Mountains, if you want to watch it in Colorado, you can watch it in Florida, you can watch it in Atlanta, you can watch it in D.C., you cannot watch it in Philadelphia. I have no earthly idea why. Uh, they used to have a, a network called Live Well. It was standard def. It was not good quality, but it was at least something so that if a game was on these regional networks, if it was on you know the regular ABC affiliate in Pittsburgh, it would be on Live Well in Philly, and you could see the game. For whatever reason, this year, there is no regional affiliate for Pitt. So if a game's on the ACC network and you're Comcast, you can't get it. And if a game's on a regional affiliate and you're in Philly, you can't get it. In fact, because Philly is not bla uh, blacked out, because it's not on an actual TV station, you can get it streaming, but only if you have ACC Network Extra, which, of course, if you have Comcast, you cannot get. This, to me, is absolutely insane. I have no idea what we're doing. I understand getting people to to pay for things. I, I get it. Look, I get it. A lot of my stuff is on ESPN+. Plus. I get it. It's a monthly subscription. By the way, I wish they just put this on ESPN+. Plus. I've got ESPN+. Plus. I could watch all this stuff on ESPN+, Plus, and a lot of people could because it's only $5 a month. It's not that bad. But I'm certainly not going to go out and pay $50 a month or whatever it is to go get a separate live TV thing to, to watch a handful of pit games. Now, it's easy enough to find a way around it, and, and you can go to a bar, or you can do whatever, and you can find a way to watch Pitt most of the time. But still, to not be able to watch uh, uh, Pitt basketball, to watch Pitt football, and then certainly the other things, 
because those are never going to be uh, possible to, to find. If it's pit volleyball when they were in the NCAA tournament, if it's pit soccer when they were in the NCAA tournament, you just can't watch this stuff. And so it is remarkably frustrating. For the most part, the ACC did a great job lining up all the cable providers, and they were really pushing for people who have Comcast to contact the company and say, I demand the ACC network. And a ton of people did it. And I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know if Comcast is asking, uh, or is, is or if the ACC network is asking for too much, if Comcast is offering almost nothing. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, someone has to figure it out and fix it immediately. Because you have the, again, one of the biggest cities in the country, one of the biggest media markets in the country, Philadelphia, in the same state as Pitt, like I said, almost definitely the number two market when it comes to uh, alumni base. It's got to be Philly. And this city has Comcast everywhere because they're based here. They are, it's a Philadelphia company. And so you're talking about this major city in the same state with a ton of Pitt fans, and everyone's got Comcast, and somehow nobody who has Comcast can watch Pitt games almost ever. To me, that is insane. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's inexcusable. Someone has to do something to get these parties to the negotiating table. Whatever it takes, I don't really know, because that's not my area of expertise. All I'm saying is the fact that one in 10 pit games is available to watch on television is atrocious. And as someone who tries to watch pit basketball as much as possible and all that, it is so much harder when the game is just not on TV or not streaming. I can't log into the ESPN app and just watch it. And when that's the case, I find myself not watching many games. I can't watch as much pit basketball. And then I'm not as invested in pit basketball. It's not, I'm not as interested. I'm not going to go out and buy tickets to go to a game. I'm, I might not buy merch. All these things, it negatively affects the program. It negatively affects the conference. And for the cable providers, it just adds resentment because on all hands, it, it just should not be this complicated to get the ACC network on Comcast. It really shouldn't be. All the other networks figured out a way to do it, and somehow it has not worked with Comcast. And to the best of my knowledge, I haven't seen anything in months from the ACC people trying to lobby fans to lobby Comcast to get it back. Because at least during the rollout and even early on, they were saying, hey, if you've got Comcast, tell them you want the ACC network. That was the big the big thing for a while. Then it goes live, and then all those those uh, those asks just seem to go away. Now they don't care if you talk to Comcast. Com- people aren't doing it. And so then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Comcast isn't going to pick up the ECC network because no one's calling. Well, that's because no one is telling anyone to call because I don't know. Is it just a foregone conclusion? This is never going to happen? If so, that's unacceptable. The fact that it's gotten to this point is unacceptable. I get it didn't happen in the first week, the second week of the ECC network. I get they're, they're just playing a big game of chicken. It's been months now. You have to figure out a way to get the ACC network onto Comcast, one of the biggest companies on the planet, it is inexcusable that people in Philly, the people with Comcast, cannot watch the Pit Panthers most of the time. I, honestly, I don't know what it is, but I think it's been about 1 in 10 games that I could watch easily just turn on the TV or load it up on the ESPN app. I think it's been about 1 in 10 games this year, and that that just cannot happen. That cannot happen when you talk about wanting to grow a network, wanting to grow a fan base, all that stuff cannot happen. 
So that's my rant. Um, a quick update on Pat Narduzzi, and uh, this is going to lead into Panther of the Week, because Pat Narduzzi was rumored, uh, and I don't think it was ever serious, but uh, the Michigan State job opened up because uh, Mark D'Antoni left, uh, D'Antonio, and uh, Pat Narduzzi, of course, the former defensive coordinator there under D'Antonio, and so there were just some initial rumblings, oh, maybe Pat Narduzzi, maybe he's going to go back. Similar thing happened with Paul Christ, who was the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin, came to Pitt to be a head coach, then when the head coaching job opened, he leaves. A uh, couple differences, of course, Paul Christ was from Wisconsin, he went to Wisconsin, spent his whole life in Wisconsin, whereas Pat Narduzzi spent a handful of years there, but he didn't go to Michigan State, he's not from Michigan, um, and uh, so it didn't seem nearly as uh, troublesome. That said, it was still, you know, talk for about two days or so, and then Pat Narduzzi comes out, with the GIF, and credit to whoever helped him do this, because I'm sure he had some help in the athletic department, of the scene from Wolf of Wall Street uh, when when Leonardo DiCaprio, as Jordan Belfort, starts screaming, you know, he's given his, his farewell speech, and then he starts screaming, I'm not leaving, I'm not effing leaving. And, uh, and the whole place just goes nuts. And uh, so they photoshopped Pat Narduzzi's face onto Leo. Uh, he tweeted it out. It was incredible. It was just a great way to uh, to announce that he's not going anywhere, that he wants to be at Pitt. Um, major credit to Heather Like for having a great relationship with Pat Narduzzi because a lot of times when you've got an athletic director who didn't hire the coach, it can be a little bit awkward. And remember, she didn't hire him. Um, and, uh, you know, so sometimes when an, an AD inherits a coach, they don't quite have that relationship. Those two seem to have a great relationship. Uh, she's kept him happy. She's given him what he wants, you know, extension or, or increases in staff or budget, all those things. She's made it happen, but major credit to her for being able to keep him and have him put out this, you know, I'm not leaving and not even, uh, flirting with Michigan state when he, he didn't even get an extension because that's the other thing that happens in these scenarios. Coach, the name will be floated out there and then people will start to panic and, you know, they're on the recruiting trail. Then you've got recruits asking, oh, is this coach going to leave? I'm gonna... And you give him an extension to assuage those concerns. It happened a couple years ago uh, after the five and seven season. They beat Miami and, you know. Uh, it was end of the season on a high note, and there were some questions, and to just stop all the questions uh, gave him uh, a bonus. And so in this situation, when we're all talking about, hey, next year might be the make or break year for Pat Narduzzi, and you don't want to give him an extension in case next year he gets six wins, and everyone's saying you got to, you know, fire him, and he's got four years, you know, a new four-year contract. And so she was able to, without offering an extension, get him to stay at Pitt, commit to staying. Um, again, we'll see how next season goes, but that video was awesome. It was it was uh, just a really so cool moment for Pitt Twitter because, again, while it was never super realistic, um, it certainly was a possibility, and Pitt is used to being... Uh, the the jilted bride left at the altar, and like I said, it happened with Paul Christ. Um, in a way, it happened with Jamie Dixon. Uh, it seems to happen all the time, and in this case, it didn't happen. And even though at the time people were saying, "Oh, Michigan State can do better," they're going to go for Luke Fickle. Well, we just saw that they couldn't do better. They they missed on Luke Fickle, and they had to go to the uh, one year Colorado head coach, who might be good. 
Um, he, he's a Midwestern guy, and he was a head coach, and he worked for Nick Saban. I get it. But he was a first-year head coach, and now he's going to Michigan State. So if Pat Narduzzi had not strongly denied Michigan State, uh, there's a decent chance that they would have gone back to him with a huge offer now that they're desperate and uh, tried, tried to steal him away. And so for him to commit but be, take it really seriously because the Colorado coach did not take it seriously. He announced on Twitter he was going to stay at Colorado, then a couple days later is gone. So for Narduzzi to announce he was staying but also make that really firm, never even consider it, that's huge for Pitt. Um, and it also goes to show Michigan State, now I know they've got a scandal that Pitt doesn't have and they're in a tougher division than Pitt is in because they've got to face Ohio State and Penn State uh, and Michigan every year. But, so, you know, I know that it's not as great of a job. You can argue that Pitt's a better job. But still, I think this whole job search with Michigan State goes to show you that it's not that easy to get a, a top-tier head coaching candidate. Uh, when it comes to the obvious choices, the ones that a lot of people want, it's not easy. A lot of these guys are going to stay. A lot of people said that, oh, Luke Fickle, if, if the Pitt had to fire Narduzzi, Fickle, you call him. He's number one. He'd probably say no, because if he says no to Michigan State, they could probably offer more money than Pitt can, because uh, the, the Big Ten network, having been around longer, uh, provides more money than the ACC network. So they could probably provide more money, and Luke Fickle still said no in what seemed to be a great position, and it's not like he's waiting for Ohio State, which is the obvious play, because Ryan Day just got there, and he's not going anywhere, unless there's a huge scandal which is possible. And, uh, you know, so it, it just seems like you, you always, you, you go through the standings and you say, oh, who's a, a good, you know, mid-tier head coach or who's a, a great assistant coach, you know, could Pitt get someone from a different ACC program or could they get the Iowa State guy? Uh, could, could they get someone? No, no, not really. You, you, couldn't get the head coach of Cincinnati. You could. You're talking about getting a relatively low-level head coach, or getting a you know middle-tier assistant. But when it comes to the very top assistants in the nation, they like where they are. They make a ton of money. Brent Venables. They make a ton of money, and they're going to stay there unless something absolutely perfect comes up. And when you're talking about these head coaches like Luke Fickle, who you know is a hot name right now, again, I thought Michigan State made a lot of sense, but clearly. These schools, when they've got someone great, they want to keep them. They're going to they're gonna put up the money to keep them. And the coaches are going to want to stay there until the absolute perfect job arises. And while Pitt is a really good job, it's not many people's perfect job. For Pat Narduzzi, it pretty much is. So if you're a Pitt fan, just as a warning, don't be so eager to want to throw Pat Narduzzi out the door. We'll see this season if it's a really bad year. Maybe I come around to your side. But for now... He's done a good job. He really wants to be at Pitt. He really likes it at Pitt. He feels like home. He's not going to leave Pitt for Michigan State or any other job that would come calling for him. And so be happy that you've got a coach who's really committed and just hope that he's able to to bring along the on-field success because it's tough. It is not easy to get a good head coach, to hire a good head coach, uh, especially if you're not one of the top, you know, eight, nine blue blood programs. Unless you're one of those, it's really tough. So be happy with Pat Narduzzi. We'll see you about next season. Uh, but he gets Panther of the week because he is staying at Pitt. And it was a great, a great, uh, video meme that he shared on Twitter. So 
That is it for this episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. Um, you can check out Cardiac Hill, listen to the podcast there on the website. And you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get uh, your podcasts, uh, whether that's Apple or Spotify or Google Play or Stitcher or wherever. You can subscribe um, and then get them straight to your phone when they're published. Uh, would hugely appreciate that, and uh, you can leave a review if you are feeling so kind. Uh, so until next time, I'm uh, going to keep an eye on pit basketball. Be back soon. Until next time, again, thanks for joining me. I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.